Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. Again, good morning. You know, and, and again, happy Mother's Day. You know, I, think about it. Where would we be without our moms? You know, <laughs> this would be a, a pretty empty place. Um, in Isaiah 66, verse 13, it says, I comfort you like a mother comforting her child. Some time ago, a company here in the U.S. placed an ad during the Mother's Day season and the ad was posted on the internet, and it was also in newspapers across the country. And the ad was for a director of operations. And um, the job details and the requirements for the job were 135 hours plus per week, no breaks, preferred degree, medicine, finance, or culinary arts, no vacations, workload increases during the holidays, and no pay. 2.7 million people saw the ad, but only 24 people responded to it. And some of the responses to the ads were using words such as insane and inhumane. So the company, as part of their, their gimmick, ran a follow-up ad that showed that there are currently billions of people who are, are fulfilling this position. They are our mothers. And, and truly, our moms uh, are true, true unsung heroes in, in our lives. And so as we celebrate today being dedicated to that special person in, in each of our lives, I want for us to, to look at the love of a mother and compare that and use that as a way of understanding the love of God. Now, when we see what constitute love, constitutes love biblically, we're naturally taken to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And as I begin to read, love is kind and patient, never jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. <clears throat> love isn't selfish or quick-tempered, except for my mom. Um, it, it doesn't keep a record of wrongs that others do, Love rejoices in truth, but not in evil. And, and as you read that, doesn't your mind naturally draw to a, a mom? That, that describes moms. Well, I thought it would be fun just to, to kind of break the ice and give you some mother sayings. Things like, who do you think you are? I'll treat you like an adult when you start acting like an adult. Stop that crying or I'll give you something to cry about. Look at me when I'm talking to you. Don't pick at that. It'll get infected. You'll put your eye out. Don't put, your, put that in your mouth. You don't know where it's been. 
wear clean underwear in case you get in an accident and have to go to the hospital. Don't cross your eyes that one day that way. I don't care who's doing it. If I catch you doing more time, I'll and then fill in the blank. Your father is going to hear about this when he gets home. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. How many times do I have to tell you, don't throw things in the house? Do you think your clothes are going to pick themselves up? I don't know is not an answer. I know it's not fair. Life isn't fair. These and so many more are our own, like our own book of Proverbs. You know, they are, they're wisdom sayings given to us by our moms. Now, we laugh about these, but because, because we've all heard our moms say this and, and other things. But one thing we need to understand, what we need to hear through that is that our moms wanted what was best for us. That, that's what's really being communicated. A, a mom is never going to intentionally deprive her children of the best that she can provide. And when we start thinking about it in those terms, it should naturally draw us to the fact that our moms, in a small, tiny, minute way, are a picture of the, the love and the attitude that God has for each and every one of us. In Deuteronomy 8, verse 18, it says, Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. Or in Matthew 7, verse 11, uh, Jesus says, As bad as you are as parents, you still know how to give good gifts to your children. But your heavenly Father is even more ready to give good things to people who ask. And then in James 1:17, Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. You can always count on God. Now, again, our moms are human, just like you and I. And, and the reality is, is that they make mistakes, they can fail, they, they can fall short. But that's the wonderful thing about God. He is always perfect. Uh, and, and I want you to understand that the God in heaven always wants what is very best for you. Today, I want, I want us to understand that the, the characteristics that we often see in our mothers are just a glimpse of what God has in store for each and every one of us. Now, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 is where I'm going to be using our, or taking our scripture this morning. And I know I preached on that just a few weeks back. But that's good. That means it's fresh in your minds. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read through all, all 10 of those verses right now, but we'll just look at them as, as the, they come up. The first thing I want you to understand is that God sees you as you really are. If your mom was anything like my, my mom, she could tell just by looking at me when I had done something wrong. 
Uh, she, I don't know how she could do it, but when she looked at me, if I was up to no good, she knew it. I, I don't know how it's, it's a mom's intuition, I guess. But in verse one of Ephesians two, it says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. And I'm thankful that that is stated in the past tense. You were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. What Paul is communicating to them is that this is where you came from. This is who you used to be. And just as a mother knows everything that's going on with her kids, God knows everything that is going on with each of us. If you ever tried to lie to your mom, somehow she always knew, she, you know, she always knew the, the truth that you were, were trying to hide from her. God does this also, and even more so. He knows every little detail about each and every one of us. He knows that we were bound in sin and that we have a sin nature. And he knows that we were dead in our old sinful ways. That's, that's the whole purpose of Jesus coming to the earth. In Isaiah 53, verse 5, this is a prophetic statement about Jesus. And it says, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sin. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. So God knows who we are. We're not hiding anything from God. The second thing that we want to draw is in, the, in verse 2. It says, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. What this is saying is that we have naturally in us a willingness to follow the ways of the world. And it is a result, a direct result of us being dead in our sins. This was what sinners do. We sin. It's, it's in our DNA. Now, the second part of verse 2 says, Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Once upon a time, we were living under the direction of Satan. Let me make this clear. Every single human being on the face of the earth is either a born-again follower, child of God, or they are under the influence and the direction of Satan. Those are the only two options. There is no middle ground. There's no, there's no sense of gray area. It's black and white. Now, did your mom ever try to tell you to stay away from a certain kid or a certain group of kids? You know, stay away from those boys. They're nothing but bad, bad trouble. If your mom ever told you anything like that, she understood that there were some kids that you didn't need to be around. Well, God knows that if you are trying to live your life for him, 
there is a influence there that you need to stay away from. And if we are trying to live by the standards of this world, we are going to fail. We're hanging around, if you will, with the wrong crowd. If you're trying to live by God's standards, then you have to set yourself apart from the world and from the, the world's standards. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You see... You can be absolutely successful by the world's standards and be an absolute failure by God's standards. And this is, this is where we get confused, where we, we, we allow the waters to get muddied up. We think, hey, everything's good in my life. I'm, I'm being successful in work and, and life, and so I'm good. Not necessarily. Your relationship with God has to take precedent over everything else. If you're trying to please God by your natural self, then you, you're really not pleasing him at all because you're trying to win a spiritual battle, but you're trying to do it in a physical realm. And as Ephesians 6:12 tells us, you're not going to be successful. Even if, when we become followers of Jesus Christ, when we become born-again Christians, if we continue to try and live by the world's standards, being successful, being, being um, engaged from a worldly standpoint, then what we're doing is we're, in essence, sub submitting to the, the work and the influence of Satan. You are either totally for God or you're totally for Satan. There is no middle ground. And let me give you an example from Israel's history. In Israel's history, you read about these different kings that came along. And all of the kings knew what they were supposed to do. All of these kings knew that they were supposed to devote themselves to God and that they were supposed to live by God's standards. But a bunch of them would go through the, the, the process. They would, they would do the right things, so to speak. But at the same time, they were also trying to gain the favor of other gods. They would, they would pay someone to go and worship in another temple, or they would send a, an emissary to go and inquire, well, what does, what does this God say? Or, or they would do different things to, to try and cover their bases. And when God looked at them, he said that they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. This is what we need to understand. We have to devote ourselves to being followers of Christ. That means that we 
Quit trying to win and quit trying to be successful by the world's standards. And I'm not saying that we all go live in a cave and wear burlap and, and you know, just sit there and grunt at each other. I, I'm not suggesting anything like that. But our standard has to be God's standard, not the world's standard. We, our success needs to be successed by God's viewpoint, not by the world's viewpoint. And that's, that's what's so often missed. Now, God knows who we are. He understands where we come from. And he also understands what we deserve. Verse three says, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our old, of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. What we, what this is telling us is that we have this past and God knows that we are sinful people. Romans 8 verses 5 through 8 says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that are pleasing to the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That is why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Now, I said before, our moms seem to have the ability of knowing that we had done wrong, and they knew that we deserved punishment. God it understands that as well. Habakkuk 1.3 tells us, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Now, when God looks at us, he sees who we are. He knows what we deserve. But like we see so often in our moms, this is his, his desire for us. Verse four, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. The word translated as mercy here is translated as compassion in other places in the Bible. What we need to understand is that God knows that we're guilty. He understands that we deserve to be punished because all of us, me included, all of us are sinners. But because he loves us, because he desires the best for us, he gave us the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Now, in Lamentations 3, 21 through 23, it says, God is merciful because of his compassion. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
Now, one of the greatest passages of, of salvation in the Bible is Romans 5, 8 and following. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is what a loving God does for sinful people. So God knows who we are. God knows what we've done. God knows what we deserve. But God gave us his gift of salvation. And the reason he does is because he sees who we can be. You know, our moms so often, you know, and even as a parent, my, a parent myself, we can look at our children and see the potential there. We can see what's wonderful about them. And in verse six, it says, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are reunited with Christ Jesus. I love that verse because it, it, it tells us not only what God has done, but it tells us where he has placed us. When we are raised to new spiritual life with Christ, in Christ, because of Christ, and now, right now, think about that. Right now, God has placed you in a position of authority and honor with Christ. This is something that for me was was hard to get a hold of. And, and maybe it, it's something you struggle with, too. When I look at me, I see that I'm a schmuck. OK, I see that I have messed up. I see that I continually mess up. And sometimes I look at myself and I think, how on earth can God continue to love me and forgive me? Because I am a mess up. But when I read this and I understand what it's saying, what the Bible is telling us is even though we are a mess up, that's not the way God views us. God views us as a finished product. Let me give you this example. Think about when your child was a small little toddler, a, a two-year-old, and they've got green snot coming down both nostrils, and they've got slobber smeared from ear to ear, and they've been eating who knows what, and it's smeared all over their hands and their face and their clothes, and they come waddling up to you, and they put their arms around you, and they hug you, and they give you, give you a... <laughs> A, a kiss right on your face and part of you is going oh and part of you is going this is the most precious wonderful thing I have ever experienced in my life that is the way God relates to us we might be a mess but God loves us he sees beyond the muck. He sees beyond the failure. He sees beyond the brokenness. And he sees us for who we really are. Understand that and don't lose sight of that because God loves you more than a mother can ever possibly love her own child. We are his children and he loves us. 
Romans 8, 16 and 17 says, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Now, God doesn't do this because we're so wonderful and great. God does it because of who he is. He is the God of love. And since we are his children, he intends to hold us to a high standard. Have, has your mother ever said to you something to the effect where you're having a conversation and, and I say, but Bobby's mother lets him do it. And her response is, I'm not Bobby's mother. I'm your mother. And I said, no. Well, when God looks at us, we no longer are the child of the enemy, Satan. We now belong to him and he expects us to rise to the standard. God loves us. And like a mother who wants her the best for her child, God wants what is best for us. Why? Well, Ephesians 2, 7 tells us, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. You see, when God puts us on display what he's doing is he's saying, these are my children. I am so proud of my children. And look at the way they are different than the rest of the world. They're not muddled down in the bog of human misery. They are rising above because of the glory of Jesus Christ reigning in their lives. That's what God wants for us. He holds us to a higher standard. And he has that in store for us so that all through the ages, people should be able to look at God's children and say, there is something unique. There is something special. There is something different in a good way about God's children. In verse 8, back to Ephesians 2, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Again, all the honor, all the glory goes to God, and God sees it as if it's a done deal. Verse 10 says, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now, again, the longer I'm a follower of Christ, the more I realize it's, it's not me. It's Christ at work in me. And that allows me to do good works. Again, not, not because I'm a great person, but because God dwelling in me changes who I am. You know, as we celebrate Mother's Day, how can we better relate 
a mother's love than, than by understanding God's love. Isaiah 66, 13, again, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. And then remember Jesus, when he looked out over Jerusalem in Luke 13, he says, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? Um, you know, picture a mother protecting her children. Whatever the cost, it is just one of the evidences of God's perfect love, his agape love that we so often see in our mothers. I don't usually resort to emotional stories as part of my sermons, but I came across this story that I thought was perfect for today. And it's there was a Christian missionary in India back in the 19th century, and his name was Sadhu Sundar Singh. He was a, a Indian Christian missionary. And in his writings, one of the stories that he relates is that he was running through a forest or, or he was in a forest that was on fire. And as a result, he's running from the fire. And as he's on the run, he overhears the, the frantic cries of a mother bird. And it causes him to stop. And he looks up and circling over its nest, there's this mother bird that is desperate because the, the fire is quickly approaching the nest full of her baby chicks. And as the fire approaches and, and catches the tree on fire, instead of flying away to her own safety, she instead lands on the nest, spreads her wings over the nest, and dies in the fire. And it, it's a picture you know, we, we dismiss birds. We think, oh, it's just a bird, who cares kind of mentality. But we see even in a bird, the devotion, the love of a mother for her babies. When we think about God, who is perfect in every way, we are God's creation we are his children. We have been permanently marred by the, the stain of sin. The only way God could save us and protect us from his own righteous wrath was by coming down in a human body and dying for us. Think about the physical, emotional, and spiritual agony that Jesus had to endure to accomplish this. We, we can never fully understand it, I think, in this life. Let's not let our hearts become cold and still, forgetting what it cost to save us. A mother will give everything for her children. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. A mother loves her children no matter what. Romans 5.10, while we were God's enemies, he made friends with us through his son's death. And the fact that we are now God's friends makes it even more certain that he will save us through his son's life. A mother will protect her children. 2 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, but the Lord is faithful. He will give you strength to protect you from the evil one. A mother wants her best 
for her children. Isaiah 48, 17, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is good for you, what is good for you and leads you along the paths you should follow. Whether it is life coming forth from a mother or it is the new birth given to us spiritually from God, something has to be created anew. And just as a, a mother's love bears the child through her entire life, so the love of your heavenly father bears you, not just through this life, but clear into eternity. The love he offers on Calvary through his son, Jesus Christ, is a love that will be with you for eternity. God sees who you are. He knows exactly what you're like, a sinner deserving punishment. But he has offered his only son as your sacrifice. God sees who you can be, and he has offered his Holy Spirit to lead you and empower you for your entire life. God sees you as if it is an already accomplished thing. And he sanctifies you to do the good works that he has called each and every one of us to do. God wants to work in your life to make you the best that you can be. Will you let him do it? You know, there's an old um, Merle Haggard song, Mama Tried. And the whole point of the song was that this, this guy grew up rough and hard and his mama tried over and over and over again to get him to change his ways. And the, the chorus of the line is, I turned 21 in prison doing life without parole. What I want to challenge you with is, God wants the best for you. Will you let him have his way in your life? Or are you going to be like the Merle Haggard song and reject all of that and go your own way? Let's pray. Father, we need you. Just as a baby needs his or her mother, we need you desperately. And so, Father, I just pray today more than anything else that your will will be done in each of our lives, that you will draw us to yourself, that you will help us to understand how deeply you love us. You care for us more than we can imagine. You care for us more than a mother cares for her baby. Father, please help us to respond to you because you love us, because you care for us, because you have made it possible for us to be set free from our sin. Thank you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.